Welcome to Advancing Our Church, a Changing Our World podcast about Catholic stewardship, leadership, and advancement. I'm your host, Jim Friend. Welcome back, everybody. Happy Easter. I hope you had a great Easter with your loved ones and a great celebration at your parish. We have some terrific guests for you today in honor of Worldwide Autism Awareness Month. I've invited representatives from Mercy Center for Special Learning in Allentown, Pennsylvania. That's right, my hometown. We have a terrific conversation. We talk about their unique ministry. But first, if this is your first time listening to Advancing Our Church, you got to stick around. You can find us on all places where you download your favorite podcasts. You can find us on YouTube. You can follow us on the socials like Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. And for a complete listing of all of our shows, please visit us at advancingourchurch.com. Please subscribe. Stick around. We have so many great guests coming to you in the near future. We have Natalie Brunel, who is a national speaker and journalist on the topic of Bitcoin. I have been exploring Bitcoin recently and learning more about cryptocurrency, and I thought that this would be just a unique opportunity. Natalie brings a unique faith experience to this conversation. And if you have any interest in learning about cryptocurrency, and it is the future, by the way, you should tune into this podcast. She's coming in May. We're also hosting a Catholic Philanthropic Roundtable, which is coming on May the 4th at 1 p.m. Eastern. That's right. May the 4th be with you and with your spirit. Sounds like I have a lisp. We'll be talking about major gifts, annual fund, capital campaigns, and Catholic school development, and so much more. Also, seminary development. I've invited our very own Mary Dorley Simboski from Changing Our World and another former Glober, Mr. Fred Roberts, who many of you remember Fred. He's guest hosted many of our podcasts over the years. Fred is now the director of Catholic School Development in the Diocese of Cleveland. We've also invited back one of our current clients, Mr. Bill McLean, the Chief Development Officer for the Archdiocese of Hartford and Interim Executive Director for the Hartford Bishops Foundation. And I've invited an old friend of mine, Mr. David Mayer, who recently took the position of Special Ministry Campaign Director and Senior Executive Philanthropic Coach for the Archdiocese of Denver. And we've invited a new friend and colleague, Miss Kelly Hirsch, who is a major gift officer for the Archdiocese of Denver. This is a star-studded group. I know that you're going to enjoy this conversation. I hope you register. If you want to register, you can find a link in our show notes. There's probably, gee, probably a hundred years of combined fundraising experience that we're going to bring to this conversation. We were all like 12 years old when we started this job, and it's going to be fast moving. It's going to be fun. And again, May the 4th, 1 p.m. Eastern time, register today. It's going to be great. And as I drop this episode, we just celebrated Divine Mercy Sunday. And in yesterday's gospel, Christ puts himself within touching distance of Thomas's finger and hand. He invites this apostle who's struggling with doubt to reach into his side and come into contact with that sacred heart, which is just filled to the brim with mercy. Not only could there no longer be any doubt that this was the Savior's resurrected body, but there could also be no longer any doubt about the mercy which Christ promised us and the forgiveness of our sins. Divine Mercy Sunday is not just intended for one Sunday. We're called to live this out and embrace it daily. Our understanding of the mercy of Christ is key to our relationship with him. And it's also essential that we show mercy to others. You know, in our culture, the idea of mercy has been lost. We demand that others pay the price for their wrongs, and rarely do we offer mercy to those who deserve it or even ask for it. And yet, we all need mercy for our own sins. Mercy is a form of evangelization, and when we express Christ's mercy to others, they will certainly notice. And so, 
as we reflect on Christ's mercy today and this week, let's remember not only to be seekers of mercy, but givers of God's mercy as well. And now, let's get to work. And it's so appropriate that this is the week of divine mercy because we are pleased to welcome representatives from Mercy School for Special Learning in Allentown. It's always very special for me to invite an organization from my hometown here in the Diocese of Allentown to be on our show. We have a great conversation about the unique services of Mercy and how unique this mission is in our country. We also talk about how Mercy has evolved and how they adapted during the pandemic. And so without further ado, here is the team from Mercy School for Special Learning. Okay, well, welcome to Advancing Our Church. So great to have you all with us today. I'm here together with the folks from Mercy School for Special Learning. And this month, we celebrate World Autism Awareness Day. And I couldn't think of a, a better example of Catholic education and commemorating this important cause than to interview a school that's right here in my own hometown of Allentown. So, so great to be with all of you today. I've always loved the mission of Mercy Special Learning Center and I just have a great admiration for what you do. And, and I know it's it's a unique ministry and we'll get into that in a minute in really in the country uh, because there's not a lot of dioceses that have uh, this kind of Catholic education, the special education for for students. And so I'd like to introduce our, our panel, our esteemed guests today. First, of all, uh, Beth Grist, who is the principal for Mercy School for Special Learning. Welcome, Beth. Thank you for having me. I'd also like to introduce uh, Chris Burkhead. Now, Chris, weren't you the founding board member for, and I know you're a board member now, but weren't you also kind of the founding board chair when you first started? I was not the chair, Jim. Thank you for the accolade, but uh, I was <laughs> one of the, the original folks when the board was formed. I think about Nine, 10 years ago. So Nine, yes. 10 years ago. That's what I thought. I knew you had a long tenure on yep. the board. Well, welcome, Chris. So glad to have you. Thank you, Jim. And then Mark Napierkowski, the Director of Development for Mercy School for Special Learning. And Mark, I believe we've had you on the show maybe in the last year on one of our Catholic education panels. Great to have you back, Mark. I was on the show. Thank you, Jim. And great job on the pronunciation. April. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Well, Beth, why don't we start with you? So glad to have you here. And, and what a, we were talking just a moment before we started uh, recording the show. But uh-huh. as you said, it's such a, a special place. And tell us, tell us a little bit about your own background and kind of how you found your way to Mercy. It's a very interesting story. <laughs> <laughs> I had been teaching in the diocese for over 20 years, starting at St. Michael the Archangel School and then moving to Notre Dame. And actually at Mass, um, Dr. Brooke Tesche, our chancellor at the time, approached me and asked if I ever wanted to be a principal. I said, no, I did not want to be a principal. I had no desire, (laughs) except if something like mercy was available. I had no idea the position was available. It was about three and a half weeks after that I was hired. It happened that quickly. It is a wonderful privilege to, to have this job. And I truly believe that all of my experiences were part of God's plan to bring me here, because as I look back on them, I can absolutely see it. I can absolutely, absolutely see it. Yeah, absolutely. It, it is amazing when, when you really pray about that and you see how all the things of, of your life and, and your career mm-hmm. come together. That's wonderful. And tell us a little bit about the special mission of, of Mercy. Mercy works to provide a Christ-centered education for students with intellectual and developmental disabilities. We work very hard to help educate the entire child and the ability to do it from a perspective of Christ makes the mission even more meaningful. It's important to our families. Many, many families are here because of that faith aspect as well. So we want to give those children a chance to achieve and, and find success as any other child would. That's wonderful. And how long has Mercy been around? 
Mercy started in 1954 with four classrooms. Amazing. Four classrooms. And they got their new building in 1962. And they continue to put additions on since then till we got to the point where we are now. And there have only been five principals in Mercy's time. I'm the fifth. Incredible. says a lot about the desire to stay here and the mission and the importance of it to those that are part of it. And as I said at the top of the show, it's such a unique mission. As I recall from my time in working in the diocese, I was part of some strategic planning for the diocese. And what we discovered was that, of course, Allentown was originally part of the Archdiocese of Philadelphia. And that's how these schools and the schools that are located down in the Philadelphia region are so unique. And and as we looked around other dioceses around at least the Northeast area, we really didn't find any other schools that were specifically that really address this special need. Our setup here is unique. You don't see this very many places. The shift in public education has taken away from self-contained classes a little bit more and more to inclusion, whether or not the inclusion is appropriate for the student. So we focus on making sure the students get the skills here that they need in order to have a successful, purposeful life. So that's what I take great pride in, in being able to do that here with my amazing teachers. But we are pretty unique. Excellent. Chris, you've been a, a long-term board member. Tell us a little bit about the role of the board. It, it, I know that it, it changed a little bit about nine or 10 years ago when you came onto the board. Tell us a little bit about how that work has evolved over the years. Sure, Jim. Yeah, the board about 10 years ago, the diocese made a decision to, to go more to a, uh, a board of limited jurisdiction, if you will, away from the advisory board. My wife, Mary, and I had you know, always been you know, involved with Mercy in one way or another. So uh, when Bridget approached me about you know, joining, Bridget was a, a principal at the time about joining the board, I, I was happy to do so. And we have about 16 or 17 members now. I believe the charter could take us up to about 21 uh, there are two spaces for clergy reserved for clergy only. It is a working board. Many of the folks have you know different skill sets, be it in the facilities or finance or what have you. We have uh, a number of committees, such as facilities, finance, development, strategic planning. So it, it's a board where everybody really buys into the mission of Mercy. Everybody is excited to be part of it. Everybody loves the kids, and we are just uh, amazed by the work that Beth and Mark and, and the teachers do there. It's really, it's really a humbling experience to be part of it. Really, truly is. What I recall from from my time and working a little bit with Mercy is that the the board members are primarily not parents, from what I recall, and that mm-hmm. it's just such a great community support that comes from just a larger Catholic community to mm-hmm. support Mercy. Is is that still true today? Still true today. Yes. Right now, I, I can't think of one. Beth, correct me if I'm wrong, but I can't think of one parent uh, who was on the board uh, at, at this particular time. There's not. None of the members on our board have children here in the school. They all are here because of their belief in the mission of the school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's just, it's, just a, it's a great group of people, and, and we've tried to expand our, our horizon a little bit, moving into some other areas of the Lehigh Valley community to bring some folks in that, that's working well. Beth and Mark, no, it doesn't take – you bring somebody through the school – they're usually pretty eager to join once they uh, once they see what the what work is done there at the school. Mm-hmm. Beth, what are some of the key programs that are offered by Mercy that are, are unique in the community? We have a lot of different programs here at Mercy beyond the education aspect that our teachers provide for our students. We also have a few. One is called Kitchen Works, where our students prepare the lunch for the entire school four days out of the week. They shop on the other week. They have learned amazing skills and are 
they could cater small parties at this rate. They, they do such a great job with that. <laughs> our job works program allows our students to usually 14 and older to go out and work in the community in different job sites. And we have over 10 sites right now, people and more coming that are welcoming our Mercy students in there to learn, to teach them and, and see where their gifts lay for their future. Mercy Metalworks is another phenomenal program. It, it started from a, gift, a classroom gift for Mothers on Mother's Day of jewelry made out of metal washers, and it's now increased to such a, we're wanted everywhere. Mm-hmm. So we're, you know, and it's been a little slow with COVID, but we're hoping yeah. to get that program kicked back up again strong in the fall. And a new program that we have is our Wellness Works program. This program is going to work to focus on the emotional, psychological, physical, spiritual well-being of our children. As we noticed during the, the two years which COVID hit us so hard, our, our students are in need of a lot of that as well. So we're working to develop that program for our next school year to really look and hit all the aspects that our students need. Mm-hmm. You, you mentioned COVID a couple of times there, Beth. How, how did you, I'm sure you guys had to, as it, I think this word is overused sometimes, but pivot, you know, during COVID to adapt to what the needs were. How, how did that impact Mercy and, and how did you have to adapt to serve the needs of your families? It was very difficult for us because of the unique needs of our children. Mm-hmm. But I think all the schools in the diocese did a phenomenal job of providing education during that time. We closed on a Wednesday, I believe it was met Monday to discuss virtual education with teachers that hadn't even used Zoom yet. And we started teaching on Wednesday and our teachers did, they did what they could do. They did the best that they could for our kids. I have one teacher that had a class behind the glass. Her students were more needy and she actually went to their homes and taught them between herself with the, with the glass doors in the middle. So they would not get, you know, we will not be too close together. Yeah. Our teachers provided the best instruction possible at that time. They did the best that they could. I'm super proud of them. But due to their unique needs and many of their inabilities to wear masks, we came back the next year, but in a hybrid fashion. So kids came to school two or three days a week and there were virtual education the other days. Mm -hmm. It was very difficult. It was really hard on our students, but they came through with flying colors and we're back now and looking forward to continuing to get back to normal. COVID was a, a lot of lessons for us and hopefully we won't have to do it again. Right. We hope so. Yeah, I absolutely. hope not. Well, I want to bring uh, Mark into the, the conversation here a little bit. Mark and Chris, how was the work of the board and also the work of advancement during COVID? And how were you able to support the school or what were some of the focuses that you found during the pandemic? Great question. Uh, Jim, Chris, you want me to take a shot at that? Sure. Go ahead, Mark. You know, I'll tell you, that was when everything coalesced in a very special way, I thought, in ways that maybe I couldn't even have experienced anticipated. You know, I, the board rose to the occasion. I knew what my job was. Beth and I had num- a number of conversations about this. So we really had to evaluate, closely look at how to anticipate possible bumps and hiccups along the way. Are there people, are there donors who will not be able to support us for the time being? How do we overcome that? How do we recalibrate our, our event schedule? What's that going to look like? Right. And and so it took some creativity. Gosh, we did a virtual gala in 2020. We did a virtual variety show that we called Mercy Mondays also in, in 2020. And so we just tried to engage people, I think it's fair to say, our donors and our supporters in a way that says, 
We're still here. We have no plans to go anywhere, but we need you. <laughs> we need <laughs> you. We're not going to have a live performance. We're not going to have a live event for the time being. So there was a lot of creativity and innovation that happened during those several months. I mean, it's not a one-person show. This is a right. community effort. This is a this is a an executive effort. This is a you know feet on the ground, organic, really really focused effort that took place over the course of several months over a year, right? To make it happen. So luckily, not luckily, but because as a result of all of that collaboration together, we were able to power through this with not a lot of, we had some, you know, we had, we, we had to overcome some things, as I said, but we, we didn't, I don't think really incur any dramatic setbacks. So it just is due to a terrific combined effort from board, staff, donors, committee members, really rising to the occasion. Excellent. And uh, were there any, I guess there's a two-part question here. One, was there, was there anything in particular that kind of stood out to you, either in any of the three of you, you know, unique acts of generosity or unique things that happened, a unique story that, that really you saw the community come forward to really come to the aid of mercy during this, during this pandemic. And I'm sure it was a number of different things. Yeah, that's a great question. I'm thinking, you know, Beth, if you want to, if you want to, if you have an angle on that, and and Chris, you might as well. I would just go back to, I'll tell you, our board has never been stronger. Our, our, mm-hmm. I'll go back to our board of, or, of directors. Sure. Not just because one of them is on the call with us. That's really the truth. <laughs> no, of course that not. We're so diverse now. And, and by that, I mean, we have people from all over Lehigh Valley, not just mm-hmm. Lehigh County. Right. We have Northampton County. We have people from all sorts of skill set backgrounds, professional backgrounds, whose creativity came to the forefront and really, I think, fueled our resolve. And I, I felt very edified by that because I was a little <laughs> concerned. My job is to raise money for this school. Is it all on me? Well, a lot of it is, but what a terrific team effort that was. So I would say from internally, that's what I experienced is a surge of energy and, and determination that this isn't going to stop us. We'll figure out a way. And we did. We figured out several different ways. That That's my internal observation. Yeah. Mark, Mark's leadership was great throughout this time, Jim, as was Beth inside the school. And, you know, from the board's perspective, you know, all of us see what Beth and her folks are doing inside the school. And it's really hard not to say, hey, what, what can we possibly do to support these people? Because it is such uh, amazing work that they do. And and, and Mark and, and, and some of the virtual events he described. And again, it was just, it was it was fun in, in a different way. It's challenging, but uh I think everybody keeps uh, keeps their eye on the ball that we have to do what we can to keep things moving forward for these kids. Our school board was 100% present during everything with COVID. All, as Chris said, always asking what we can do, worried and trying to care for our faculty and staff and our students. Uh, I could not have asked for better people to work with. That's a good point. You know, I'll, I'll throw one other thing in there, Jim, another, another observation. We, we did have donors. You mentioned from the outside or people not, you know, employed here or on the board. We had donors, we had individual people with whom I had conversations early on who assured us, you know what, we're we're with you. We'll help you through this. And there was no particular promise of how that was going to happen, but it was a reassurance that they had our back. They they understand our mission, they support our mission. You know, Air Products is one of those companies who continued to just to be there to to, to back us because of the degree to which they really believe in what we do and the mission here. So, you know, truly I was, I was uh, gratified and edified by mm-hmm. all those gestures from outside and inside. 
this question is either for Mark or for Beth. Did you do you find that there are practices or things that you you did or you you talked a lot about the the creativity, which you know the creativity was off the chart with with all the clients and schools that I've talked to over the last year. Any of those things that you did during the pandemic that you find, well, you know, this this was something new and it, people really it really resonated with people, either from an educational perspective or even from an advancement perspective. This is now now it's going to be part of our best practices or part of, of what we're going to do moving forward. I think that we learned that when push comes to shove, we can make things work. Mm-hmm. We were all put in really difficult spots and we all came together. And I, so I think that we have a more open perspective to what will work better here. Understanding that the traditional route is not always what we need to go by. and We may not always go by that. So I think it gave us a better understanding of how we could continue our mission in a different way. That's a good point, Beth. And I'll say, I, I thought of, <laughs> Jim, that question made me think of our golf tournament. You know, we, we reformatted the golf tournament back in 2020, of course, following a long and arduous uh, series of conversations in which we thought, are we going to have a golf tournament? Can we do it? Well, we not only had a golf tournament, it was our best yet. Mm-hmm. And why is that? We reformatted it so that, not to go into great detail here, but we we we, we eliminated the shotgun start where everyone sh- starts at first to kind of spread people out. We assigned tee times. It was a little bit more difficult to do, but we thought, but let's take a shot at it. And it worked really, really well, so well that in fact, the following year, 2021, we did it again with even greater success. So we have the option now of continuing that format. So that's just maybe a small example sure. of how a practice that we put into place during the teeth of the of the pandemic may set a precedent for how we do things going forward. We at least know, as Beth alluded to earlier, we we can we we know that we're capable of going different directions. We we're not limited by maybe previous thinking. So that's very, very encouraging to, to remember that fact. Absolutely. Well, staying on this theme of, of funding a little bit, I know that, that Mercy uh, has been able to access public funding in a way that maybe other Catholic schools do not have access to funding. You know, we know that an education of Mercy is certainly going to cost more than the average education because of the small class size, because of the attention that each of these students needs. Can you tell us, our listeners, a little bit about that public funding and and how you access that or how your families are able to access that? That's a good- Mark, you want to speak to that? Yeah, I'll speak to that. And I want to make sure I understand the question, Jim. So when we talk about public funding as a Catholic, private Catholic school, we are 100%, we're 100%, there's a dimension of that, yes. Mm -hmm. I'll get to that in a moment. Because of the fact that we're a diocesan, you know, Catholic school, mm-hmm. all the money that that I raise here is it comes from foundations, individual households, sure. companies. So all privately channeled to our school, we do receive substantial funding because we've really worked hard at the tax credit donations that come through the Eastern Pennsylvania Scholarship mm-hmm. Foundation, and that's all tax money would otherwise be going to Harrisburg. But in fact, because of the way it's set up to our advantage as a school, it is channeled through or uh, run through the the foundation and then comes back to our school in the form of scholarship money. Mm-hmm. And so and, and so I don't know if that's what you were referring to, but that mm-hmm. that money would otherwise just be going to Harrisburg. And our legislation is set up in such a way that in this state, we are able to, through that funding uh, mechanism, able to benefit our families who otherwise could not afford to come here. 
because we do have a cost to educate that is that is not small. It's rising a little bit each year. Mm-hmm. So does that answer the question, Jim? Yeah, that 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 was actually that was part of it. I, I know that here in the state of Pennsylvania, many of our Catholic schools, in fact, probably all of them, benefit in some way from EITC, the Education mm-hmm. Improvement Tax right. Credit Program. It's massive in Allentown, Philadelphia, all the all the major pockets of schools. Well, um, I, I guess I should have been more specific. The question I was wondering was: I know that when I was with the diocese, there was a, some money that was available from the school district for families who were able to to use that towards tuition for their families. Is, That's is a good that question. That's bad. Right. Right. Yeah, it does still happen, though it's very rare. Mm-hmm. And normally what happens is it's the result of litigation mm-hmm. where a parent takes the district to court or through a mediator discusses a, a settlement where they feel their child can't be educated there. Mm-hmm. And we will get either our full cost to educate or partial of that. It's it's rare and it's getting diff- more difficult to get. Okay. To be quite honest, the fight to get that for our parents is extremely time-consuming mm. and draining and very, very hard on, on parents that already have such additional stress in their lives. Sure. So we found that it's just, we encourage it, we will support them, but it's it's a lot to ask. Yeah. It's a lot to ask. Absolutely. No, it makes and, sense. It makes sense. It also depends on where you're located. Yeah. Depending, Some districts work differently than others. Yeah. I recall that. Yeah. yeah. I've... Uh, I, I remember uh, Berks County was a little different from Lehigh yeah. County, and, mm-hmm. and I know you guys all compare notes on that. Mm-hmm. Well, um, looking at the future, what are some of the, the board initiatives and, and what are some of the other initiatives that Mercy is looking to do you know, in, in the coming years? Uh, do you have any capital projects that are, that are on, the, on the burner there? I'd like to well, address that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, no, all right. I, I was just going to say, Mark, and, and feel free to jump in, Mark, from the board's sure. perspective, Jim, we're really starting to focus on our strategic planning committee mm-hmm. uh, that we've had up and running for a number of years. But at this point in time, it's really getting a lot of attention uh, because we do need to, to put some some thoughts together about, you know, where's Mercy going to be in five, 10 years? And and one of those items, a big item is our physical plant, you know, where the school is located now. And, you know, what does that look like down the road? You know, where can we go? How do we do that? You know, what does it look like from the, the financial piece, uh, from the student's piece, from the parent's perspective? So there's a lot to do in that area, but I think that's certainly a major initiative that, that we have now underway. Mark, I didn't mean to interrupt you there. No, that's, a, in fact, Chris, that's very timely. Our strategic plan involves the dimension I was thinking of, Jim, and that is we have an endowment. We've had an endowment in place now since the fall of 2017, so about four and a half years now. And I remember that was right around the time I started, just after I started, and I didn't know much about endowments, did not know how really how they functioned in great detail. And my initial reaction was, gosh, we need money for today and tomorrow. <laughs> we Let's worry about you know next year, next year. Uh, we need to, you know, but but that was a little, that was kind of, that was uh, not, I had to recalibrate my thinking there. And some of us, a lot of us did, but we we went on faith. We went on some models out there that, that demonstrate the good that an endowment can do. And since that day, when we had $0 in an endowment fund, we now, we now have a large seven figure, not a large, well, it's a, it's a growing seven figure number. Wonderful. That is going to be, that's going to fuel, it's going to basically give us a future, right? Yeah. It, it assures the future of this school. If there does come a rainy day or a tough year, we have that fund ready to, to service us 
in case we need it, because we know that there will always be children who need the school. There just will. And so we want to make sure we're open for them and ready to go. So we've been, I think, strategically building a plan to, to, to reach new milestones along the way. And we've reached, we've reached a couple. Now we're reaching for the next one. And so it's money, it's funding, but it's, it's also forever money too. Sure. And that's what the Catholic Foundation of Eastern Pennsylvania, that's become kind of a bedrock for, you know, for our securing our future. I can definitely say that there are wonderful things coming ahead for Mercy. As, as the principal, I'm working hard to make sure we can continue to provide a quality Catholic education for our students and looking towards what other types of students that we can service here at Mercy and what we need to do to be able to do that. And I'm very confident that we have some wonderful things coming in the future. Because of the unique nature of your mission, I, I would imagine that you serve Catholics and non-Catholics alike. Do you also have uh, Catholic donors and non-Catholic donors alike? Absolutely, we do. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. I mean, as you know, Jim, the mission of Mercy School mirrors the mission of the church, and the mission of the church has always sought to serve people of every background. And so we have students in this school who come from Catholic households, non-Catholic households, households with no faith particular background, and that certainly holds true for our our donors. And so we are, we're grateful for all of them. And my job is to continue to go wider and find these people who will identify with our mission, say, wow, I really like what you're doing at that school. And really the most fun that we have is bringing people into the school gym and showing them around, giving them sure. a tour to show them this place in action. And what does it mean? That, that's when the place really comes alive. The mission is animated for them and they see what difference that they can make, you know, with us. So I think we're very proud of that, that I am, of the fact that we serve people from all sorts of backgrounds. And uh, the Catholic faith certainly just, it uh, emboldens us to, to, to go forward in that, in that way, certainly. Chris and Mark, you, you bring up a good point. And so this question would be, I guess, for, for both Chris and Mark. How, because you, you don't have a traditional alumni base, so to speak, uh-huh. as, a, as a traditional Catholic school or university for that matter, um, how do you bring in new donors to the table, right? Because <laughs> it, it is such a unique ministry. I know that you get some, I know from my own experience, you get some nice exposure from the Bishop Samuel Peel, but how do you bring in donors, you know, to get them involved with the board or a committee or or as a donor? Because it is, it's a little different. And I'm, I'm mm-hmm. sure that maybe somebody who's listening who might be you know, part of a nonprofit, an advancement director, an executive director of a nonprofit is they're all, always looking for ways. How do, how do you bring people to the table just to hear the mission? Go ahead, Mark. Yeah, yeah. This is so, this is, I'm, it's not funny, but it's funny. Yeah. <laughs> that way. Because the first conversation I had walking into the school was with, I think with after Beth was with Chris and Chris's question was a great question. It was that question. What is our plan? Let's put together a plan for getting additional donors into the fold here. How are we going to do that? So I kind of began, you know, the old fashioned way, Jim, and I put a list together of all the people I know that that have some influence in in Lehigh Valley. Mm -hmm. And I got a few strong advocates um, from among that group who then spread the word. And some of these, a couple of these people put together a letter along with, after I gave that particular person a tour, Right. She she put together a, a letter to all of her friends and said, wow, you got to see this place. And none of them have, have ever really heard of us before. And so we kind of began in that very old fashioned way. And it worked and it's continuing to work. And my challenge is to get in front of people 
donors on a regular basis, Jim, to steward them. As we all know, in this job, you have to you know get in front of people, thank them, ask them what's important to them, get them involved, further involved in our mission. Who else do you know that might really want to support our our, our mission, uh, what we're doing here? So it's that it's social. It's we're trying to become better. You know, Jim, all the time with social media, using that intelligently, strategically improving you know our communications our websites our website etc you know it's word of mouth it's events there's probably no magic bullet i'm thinking a combination of all those things but all the time hey take you know take a car magnet you'll be a traveling billboard for us there you go and it's that sort of thing and so a lot of those simple methods i think but chris does that does that rhyme with yeah. your recollection it, it does it does and jim you, you hit the nail on the head and, and I've said this to people many times over the years, and you said it perfectly. We have no alumni. You know, we have no alumni that we can we can tap into and 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 look back and think of their time at Mercy and be you know as they move through life and, and become financially successful to donate back to the school. We don't have that, so it's like every year we're we're starting from scratch again, and it's it can be a tough fall at times. But but Mark's done a great job, you know, expanding our our, our reach and, and looking to other sources and. And Mercy is just, an, it's, it's an easy place to believe in when you uh-huh. tell the Mercy story and when you have people come through the school, it's, it's, it's easy for people to fall in love with Mercy. So it's something that we all believe in and we'll continue to widen that net and, and bring folks forward to help us out. That's good. All Chris. they need to do is meet our kids. Yeah. <laughs> they got to meet the kids. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you this, Jim, uh, to that point and to the point that Chris just made a second ago. Somebody once recently, it's like in the last two months, said to me, Mark, you got the easiest job in the world. <laughs> I knew what they meant. It's, it, in a sense, it is easy. I mean, right. this mission of the school speaks for itself. And you said at the very beginning of this broadcast, Jim, that we're unique. Not every other you know, community has a Mercy School for Special Learning. I've got a brother in Denver, Colorado, which is a beautiful, large city, metropolitan area. Their diocese doesn't have a Mercy School. And my son, I mean, my brother happens to have a son who has special needs who'd fit right into Mercy. And so they support our school from in Colorado wow. just because of what we do. But it does come down to finding new ways. And, and here's one other thing I'll throw out. I could think of other things. We don't have all the time in the world, but DeSales University has, our partnership has really strengthened with them in, in various ways from sponsorships to you know uh, various personnel relationships. Chris's wife, Mary, worked there and they were, they've been a job sponsor for us over the years. And still are, but also now too, the business school gym at DeSales University has come up with a, an arrangement with us whereby they send three or four of their senior capstone business students to us each semester to help us with various administrative business tasks in the wow. office here. A lot of that has come down to grant research and grant applications, and they have succeeded getting us four nice size grants. They're not huge, but they're not tiny, and they have a comma in them, you know, and so. That's a sustainable model that we can happily build on. We will happily build on with them. And there are other ways that can go as well. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, how can folks find you guys? I'll speak to that. We're right in Allentown. We're at 830 West South Woodward Street, excuse me, here in Allentown, 18103, mercyschool.org. Mm-hmm. We have a, a website that we continue to try to improve, but just about everything you need to know is is there. And if and if it's not, and you got a question, our our, our certainly our, our phone number is there, and that's how they can find. It's part of how they can find us. And Beth, what about uh, social media? We are very active on social media: Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And that's where they really get to see our kids. 
Okay. Um, on daily daily updates, we post almost every day something on there, and that's really where it's easy for people to get a little snapshot of what's happening in this wonderful school. Well, we will put links in the show notes uh, to your social media and to your website. You. And uh, Mark, I'll put your contact information in case anybody would like a tour or want to get more involved. So, we appreciate that, Jim. Yeah. Beth, Mark, Chris, this was great. So nice to catch up with all of you and hear about the great things that are happening at, at Mercy. Really appreciate all your great work. Right. Thank you. Thank you Thank for the you, time. Jim. Today, Jim. Thanks so much. God bless. I want to thank Beth, Mark, and Chris for being on our show today. It was so wonderful to learn how Mercy has evolved over the last few years, more about the unique ministry, and just how you have adapted and continued to thrive, even despite this this pandemic. For more information about Mercy School for Special Learning, I will leave a link in our show notes uh, to the school and also to their social media links. And if you'd like to get more involved, I'm sure that Mark would love to hear from you. Thanks again, team, for being on this show. Well, that's our show this week. Special thanks to Pottery Studios for another great show. And if you'd like to help our show, please leave us a rating wherever you downloaded this podcast. It does so much to help the algorithm for more people to find us. And for more information about our show where to find us, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube. And again, for a complete listing of all of our shows, and we've published over 100, believe it or not, visit us at advancingourchurch.com. Advancing Our Church is a production of Changing Our World, and we are a fundraising and social impact consulting firm that has been advising both nonprofits and corporations for more than two decades. For more information, please visit us at changingourworld.com. Well, that's it for me, everybody. I hope you have a terrific week. We'll see you back here in two weeks. Take care and God bless.